I'm Stephen Patton, your host, joined by my co-host and dear friend Jacob LaCroix here on Perfect Takes. It's it's been a busy week already, and it's only Tuesday. How's how's your week been so far? It's been pretty good. Uh, got got a little bit of the sniffles, so I might have a cold coming up or something. I don't know, but other than that, it's been pretty good. The only bummer is that uh, there was no good sporting events on over the weekend. And yes, that includes the NBA All-Star Game, which was a travesty in my opinion. The only thing I enjoyed watching was the Steph Curry, Steph Curry and Sabrina Ionescu kind of shootout challenge. I thought that was really cool. But other than that, uh, it stunk. And I just wanted to throw that out there because it reminded me of our talk about the Pro Bowl a couple weeks ago and how these All-Star events are just going by the wayside. They really are. It's it's there has to be incentive, uh, whether there's more money thrown at it, whether there's um, like playoff incentives on the line. I, I don't know what it has to be, but something has to change because I saw a cool clip of Kobe Bryant talking about kind of these all star games. And he's like, people want to turn on and see the best of the best. Like what would happen if you put these guys on the same team? And instead what we have, uh, at least in the NBA, the kind of compare is we just have super teams in the regular season. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's taken a little bit of lackluster out of those games. And it's sad, especially from the fan standpoint. Um, but jumping in, uh, we have a lot to cover today. We'll go over the Panthers uh, coaching staff, how they finalize kind of the offensive side. Uh, we'll go over a couple topics around the NFL and then, This week's topic will be on running backs in terms of draft prospects and free agents. Uh, So do you want to kick us off? Uh, Yeah. And real quick before I forget, our beer of the week this week is Sunny Monkey. It's a sour Belgian ale. It's like a weed ale. And it's from that same 4001 Yancey as last week. So pretty good light sour here. And then, yes, like you said, the Panthers coaching staff is finalized for the most part i think they can add like another like offensive assistant or something like that but otherwise everybody's here and the the big part or the big uh i guess addition or content like continuous person on the staff is going to be a Jiro evero and his defensive staff he returned uh, i think everybody on the defensive side of the ball and uh, just having him back and having the stability on the defensive side of the ball is going to be huge especially if we're gonna assume there's going to be a new offensive scheme uh, and with all the new offensive coaches and stuff i think it's good to have some continuity on one of the sides of the ball that actually performed well last year yeah we have a lot of pieces on the defensive side we're returning todd wash on the d-line he was the jaguars defensive coordinator back in 2017 when they were known as saxonville Uh, we have d'angelo hall a all pro corner who's now kind of turned the coaching i'm sure he has brought up jc horn uh, Dante Jackson, some of the guys that we have in that room very well and kind of the scheme that we're drawing up. And then Dom Capers, the first ever head coach in Carolina. He still remains with the staff along with Jim Caldwell. So two guys from last year that were kind of senior assistants still with us, still imparting their wisdom. And that's fun to see. And on the offensive side, we have a lot, and I mean a lot, of guys with wide receiver backgrounds, starting with Dave Canales, the head coach, Brad Idzik, who's now the offensive coordinator. He was the wide receiver coach down in Tampa last year, worked with Canales the past five seasons between Seattle and Tampa Bay. And then we also brought on Rob Moore, who has been the wide receiver coach for the Oakland Raiders of time. They're now Las Vegas, obviously, uh, from 2015 to 2017. And then from 2018 to last year, he was with the Tennessee Titans. And Cool, cool note about uh, Rob Moore. I didn't even know this until I started looking into it. He was first team all pro back in 1997 with the Arizona Cardinals, and he had three seasons over a thousand yards as a professional. So really cool to see that he translated kind of the professional experience he had into a coaching role, kind of like what D'Angelo Hall has done on the defensive side. Are there any key takeaways you see from some of these guys that we brought in, or do we want to just jump into kind of the run game, pass game coordinators, O-line coach, et cetera? Well, I like the wide receiver background on all these guys because it's not a secret that our wide receiving room and just the performance of our receivers last year were very poor outside of Adam Thielen. So it's going to be good to get some juice from multiple coaches in that uh, particular room on offense. That way they can kind of maybe coach up some of the younger guys like Mingo or whomever we draft, if we draft a receiver. And uh, I I think we really needed 
that kind of focus in our coaching staff this year. But then the rest of the guys uh, that we brought in, like uh, Harold Goodwin, who was with Tampa Bay, he's the run game coordinator. Uh, Joe Gilbert, O-line coach, he was with Tampa Bay. And then we brought in a couple people from Seattle. We brought in Nathan Carroll, who's actually the son of Pete Carroll. I think we mentioned that a couple, maybe like a month ago when we were that first getting be, our coaches. He could be a yeah, hot like, name. Yep. Well, that and he could uh, maybe bring Pete over to uh, impart some wisdom like you were seeing with the older guys. But then we also brought in Tracy Smith as the special teams coordinator. I believe he was an assistant with Seattle uh, since 2021 on the special team side. And then Will Harriger, I think is how you say it, as the QB coach. I know he worked with QB Collective. Uh, he also worked with Pete Carroll, Dan Quinn, and you've noted Mike McCarthy. And I know that he's worked with guys like Trevor Lawrence. Uh, he worked with Caleb Williams this past year, Dak Prescott. So some pretty big names there at the QB position. And the main takeaway I have here is that this is the opposite of last year outside of Rob Moore, uh, who had no prior or no big prior connection to Canales and Idzik. Uh, there's like continuity and uh, uniformity on the offensive side of the staff. Like everybody here knows Canales. We are, they're all on the same page. I think that's a good step as opposed to last year where it was all nebulous. And there are a ton of different ideas trying to uh, be squeezed together and strained through and just put into the mind of our rookie QB, which didn't work out very well. Yeah, I, I don't know how much it was just voices in his head as much as we didn't have the personnel to run some of the concepts and looks we were trying to run. Uh, I mean, we were in 11 personnel over 90% of the plays, and that's just not going to help a young quarterback behind a porous offensive line. And being as small as Bryce Young is, all the interior offensive line just piled on and kind of just the mess that became last year. I think the one thing that I'm very intrigued about is we obviously part ways uh, with the O-line coach Campin last year who had been with the team two years. And a couple years ago with Ben McAdoo, they were running a very gap-heavy scheme. Well, Tampa Bay is one of five teams I'll bring up a little bit later when we're talking about running backs. But he employed a lot more gap scheme uh, compared to other teams in the NFL. He was in the top five in kind of that department. So the bring back what we were doing two years ago, I think would benefit guys like Icky and Moten. Uh, obviously, Christensen and Corbett when they come back. So that that inspires a little bit of hope for me, especially with kind of how they had to shuffle some cards uh, after Brady's retirement, move Tristan Wurst to left tackle. So hopefully he brings a little stability there. Uh, I am a little concerned about Harold Goodwin. I was not impressed by Tampa Bay's run game last year. And hopefully he's just more a stable presence in the room and not a guy that's going to have, I, I would say, a lot of input, at least on the, the play sheet call and, and what's being run. Um, but we'll see. That's, that's the one name that I think I'm most concerned about with on this offensive staff and would have liked to see us go a different direction instead of kind of maintaining continuity, as you said. Uh, well, that's, it's a good thing you bring up Harold Goodwin because I had known that name from before. And I just pulled up his like coaching history and stuff like that. He was the offensive coordinator for Arizona from 2013 to 2017, back when they had Bruce Arians. And they had a pretty strong, high-powered offense. Uh, they even met us in the NFC Championship back in 2015. Um, so that I'm a little more uh, positive about that because he's had success. Uh, like yeah, David Johnson been, back in the day. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and, and so I, I'm not too worried about that. Um, my, I guess my only thing really would be, uh, yeah, aside from the run game, is that maybe there's like too much of uh, like the same coaching tree, the same idea. Like I do like a bit of diversity, and I guess that's where Rob Moore comes in. But it, it's never a bad thing to have everybody on the same page, and hopefully that's what's able to happen with all these guys knowing each other, their tendencies, their uh, – their language and nomenclature in the offense and stuff like that. So hopefully it works out well. Yeah, no, I'm hoping so too. Again, it's a fingers crossed that this doesn't turn into a group think scenario because everybody was talking about this past year. Well, Bryce had too many, too many guys in his ears. And then this year, if it's just the same vanilla stuff, they aren't able to adapt and kind of uh, evolve the offense as the season goes on. I there's, there's going to be concerns from the fan base. So, 
we'll see kind of moving forward how they structure things, uh, reports from training camp, what they deploy in preseason, because this past year preseason was pretty indicative of kind of the regular season. So we'll see if there's a, like a different shade, if they have different layers. Uh, but moving into around the NFL, and one thing that we just want to simply touch on before we get into the meat and potatoes, and that's the shooting in Kansas City. And it's awful that a team that is celebrating uh, winning back-to-back Super Bowls uh, as as a team, as a city, as a fan base, uh, has to deal with a tragedy like that. And it's, it's just terrible. Um, at this point, we've dealt with too many of these incidents in the United States. And you don't see these problems in other countries around the world. So um, I'm, I'm not necessarily advocating political stance or side. It's just it's frustrating not to see anything get done and more people to continue losing their lives for it. Yeah, it's uh, what an awful way to end something that's supposed to be like a celebration, like you're saying. Uh, this is a team that's won back-to-back Super Bowl, something we haven't seen in quite a while. And uh, something like this is just horrible. Um but yeah, moving on to like, I guess something lighter, not, something way, not nearly as horrible, but for this person, I'm sure it was not great. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was suspended, uh, which is odd. It's like uh, you see the movie Friday. Have you, have you seen the movie Friday? He's like, how do you get fired on your day off? It's like, <laughs> how do you get suspended in the middle of uh, February? But uh, he, uh, Garoppolo is suspended and the Raider, that voids uh, one of his guarantees which uh, seems to indicate that the Raiders are expected to cut him after the league new year starts because he has that, uh, like, after day five of the league new year, you own money. So expect him to get cut, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see where he winds up. He could, uh, he might wind up back in San Francisco and be their backup. I think that'd be the funniest out. Those those are some of the rumors, and yeah, it's, it's pretty, I'm not going to say it's dumb, but some of these players, you, you know the list, um, your agent should have hands on it that if you're not sure about a prescription, uh, and it could have been, it could have been a legitimate prescription he got from a doctor. Um, but because he didn't do his homework, he's now suspended. He loses out on a lot of guaranteed money. This is awful for Jimmy G the person. Like he's obviously trying to make his bag. Uh, I wasn't necessarily the most player advocate person up until kind of Jason Fitzgerald's education with over the cap. And it's these these players only play usually at most like five to ten years, and so you want to see them get their bag and and be able to move on with their lives post football. And this doesn't help. So like you said, he'll probably end up being a backup somewhere. It'd be funny to see him either in New England or San Francisco, where he's had previous stops. Uh, but we'll end up seeing where he goes. Now, a couple other guys that could be on the move via trade. Uh, they have not forfeited any money with. Uh, extracurricular activities outside of the football field. And that's Justin Fields and Brandon Ayuk. And my question to you is, uh, Justin Fields unfollowed the Chicago Bears. I don't know if it was on Instagram, Twitter. He unfollowed them on one of the social media platforms. And then Ayuk has made a couple comments on social media, or at least his family has. What do you think are great destination spots, landing spots for these two players. I know, I know where you want Ayuk. I, I want him here too. Um, but what, what are some key destinations that would work well for both, not only the team, but these players? Uh, we'll start with fields. Um, I think, I do think he has the stuff to be a starter this year. Um, I know there's a, there's word out there that he should go be a backup for a while, but I think what he showed at the end of the year was better than what a lot of quarterback showed this year i think atlanta would be an awesome spot because all the weapons there they have a solid o-line you know they have i think they have some money to burn and free agency so they can continue to improve their team uh just thinking about like read options with fields and Bijan robinson and then drake london and uh the kyle pitts being open and they hold the number eight pick uh this year so they that do. could be like if Romo Dunze slips through the cracks, that could be a spot for him. So that kind of excites me. And then Pittsburgh is another big one, um, I do think. And it was said that they are looking uh, to bring in competition for the QB. I'm not really sold on Kenny Pickett um, moving forward. So I think that would be oh, a Mason Rudolph spot. isn't a uh, starting quarterback in your book? No, uh, I, I think he got drafted, what, like six years ago now or something? And, uh <laughs> He hasn't really panned out. Uh, he's not a, an ideal starter, in my opinion. So I think that'd be a good spot. And then uh, it was Instagram where he unfollowed the Bears. And I saw maybe an hour before we started recording that 
he uh, he followed the Seahawks and a lot of Seahawks players, which I thought was uh, interesting. interesting. Like, I, I'm not so sure about the Seahawks because, like, I don't think he's going to supplant Geno um, anytime soon. But maybe maybe they do like a uh, what the Ro- or what the Jets did with Rodgers, right? Like bring Fields in and have Geno play this year, and then Fields is the guy moving forward. I don't know. But uh, any spot like that kind of intrigues me, where there's like good infrastructure there, or in the Steelers' case, good coaching. I wouldn't say that their offense is uh, super good or anything like Atlanta's uh, weapons or Seattle's weapons. I like I like Pittsburgh because they have Fryermuth. Uh, they brought in the big tight end from Georgia this past year, and. Um... They're wide receivers. I mean, you got George Pickens, mm-hmm. Deontay Johnson. It's not it's not bad in Pittsburgh. Um, I think it would be interesting because there were all those rumors if, oh, if Justin Fields was in Arthur Smith's offense, like Atlanta would would have hit the moon. And it'd be funny uh, if he ends up in Atlanta mm-hmm. um, in in spite of Arthur Smith. And then the Seahawks. Or, or he could end up in Arthur Smith's offense in Pittsburgh now. Yeah. No, absolutely. And that's it's one of those things. Yeah. yeah. So it's like I, I can understand the Pittsburgh connection. Um, I think Mike Tomlin is very high on high character, high quality individuals uh, like Justin Fields is. Uh, the Seahawks, I think that's a very interesting one because if you were to trade for him, he would sit behind Geno for a year or two. And then because of that, he would need a contract extension. But because he's not really seeing the field, it would probably be relatively cheap, kind of like a Jordan Love extension was. And that could be favorable for Seattle. So I don't, I don't know if that's a the direction they'll go. Mike McDonald being the head coach there, and then Ryan Grubbs, the OC from Washington. Um, that, that'll that be an interesting pairing. So I, I, I could see that maybe being a potential landing spot. So those are some interesting ones. With Brandon Ayuk, I, I said this last year, I didn't like the Chiefs wide receiver room going into the year. I felt like Travis Kelsey was getting older. Uh, I thought they should have gone out and grabbed Brandon Ayuk then. And I, I think the Chiefs would still be a great landing spot. You pair him with Rasheed Rice take a little bit more off the plate of Travis Kelsey so he can just kind of rest up for that postseason run they're more than likely going to do next year. Um, I think that's a great landing spot. Any of these other contenders, I think he'd be a great fit for that are trying to kind of push themselves over the edge. Like Jacksonville, I think they would benefit more from letting Ridley walk and then trading for an Iuke, uh than signing Ridley to an extension, which they've talked about. So uh, just just throwing some names out there. Do you uh, see a team that fits really, really well with his skill set? I'd love Bryce Young to be thrown to Brandon Ayuk. I just don't know if the 49ers are going to buy on or bite on pick 33. Yeah, I like the Jacksonville idea that you're talking about there. I think he'd be a really good fit there. And I think the Jags are going to let Ridley walk because if they re-sign him, they end up owing the Falcons mm-hmm. a second rounder as opposed to a third rounder. Um, as far as the pick compensation goes, however, I'm not sure that Jacksonville would send the number 17 overall pick for Ayuk. Like uh, when you when you're looking at a guy like this, and the AJ Brown trade is a good example. I think of teams that are in like the 22 the to like 30, something like that. So like Houston, by, uh, by way of Cleveland's pick, that would be really interesting. Uh, that like that would take their offense over the top, like a Dallas maybe. Because uh, outside of CD, I'm not too, too keen on the weapons. But they are going to have to pay CD soon. So I don't know about and that Parsons. one. And, yeah, Dallas has got a lot of people due for paydays. Yeah. And then uh, Arizona as well with the 27th overall pick. Ooh, they uh-huh. already have pick number four, right? And let's just say that uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. falls. Or, or, excuse me, doesn't fall to him. Let's say New England takes him. And so they're stuck like, all right, do we want to take Malik Neighbors? Do we want to take Bowers? Or do we want to take one of these old linemen? Let's just say they don't end up with neighbors. They could uh, send that number 27 pick uh, plus whatever else for Brandon Ayuk. I think that would be interesting. But that's within the division. And it it is kind of the old adage that you don't trade within divisions. We've kind of seen that go by the wayside past couple years with Hawkinson to um, Minnesota and then Devontae Parker to New England from Miami. But I, I think all those would be interesting, but none of them fit as well as he does in Carolina, obviously, where like Carolina would be in position to give him the deal he wants. Like, I am i don't know the cap situations of any of the other teams that I mentioned, but I know that with restructuring and everything, Carolina can get to around 70 million this uh, offseason. So I think that'd be a good spot, too. 
Yeah, and I think we would pay him the 25 mil plus Mm -hmm. uh, that he's looking for in a deal. I think exactly like you said, any trade package needs to kind of mirror the A.J. Brown deal. So if the Jaguars were to make a move, they're probably looking for like third round pick swaps or something else to kind of compensate. It wouldn't be a straight up first for Brandon Ayuk. But I, I, I like a lot of the ideas you threw out there. It'll be interesting. I think both should be moved in theory if i'm the 49ers personally i would ship out debo samuel for whatever's available and sign Ayuk. i think Ayuk's the better wide receiver uh, but debo's the all pro he's kind of the engine of that offense at least from what a lot of people say and so it'll be interesting to see kind of what direction they take i think Ayuk is definitely prime for a big big next few years with uh, just kind of coming into his own as a route runner. He's a solid blocker. Uh, He's just the guy that separates and that's, that's huge. So uh, getting into the next section, we're breaking down running backs this week, kind of, we're going to go over the draft prospects and then we'll touch on free agency. We'll just go over Jacob's top five running backs, what we like about him, what we don't like about him, maybe a couple potential landing spots. And to kick it off, your guy out of Texas, Jonathan Brooks, is the guy that ranks number one. Now, it's a weak running back class, but that's your number one. Why is he your guy in this class? I mean, you look at Bijan Robinson, and he went eighth overall. But uh, no, I'm just playing. He's not that good. But to me, he uh, is a set above everybody else in this class. Uh, I think he's all around, can do everything. Uh, he's not really a pile pusher, so he's not going to be the guy that uh, gets you the one to two yards, uh, just halfback dives or anything. But I like almost everything else about him. He has pretty good vision. He uh, can operate as a pass catcher. We saw that a lot in the Baylor and Kansas games. Uh, good contact balance, so he's not going down after the first guy tries to ankle uh, tackle him or swipe at his legs or anything. Good long speed, which means you know once he's in the open field, he doesn't decelerate at a high rate. He can just keep going. And I think his burst is really good, too. Uh, we talked before the pod, and you said you had watched uh, the Alabama and Rice games, and he seemed to have more burst than you anticipated um, when you watched those games. And I think he's able to just do everything at a pretty high level. Um, like you said, this is a weaker running back class, so we aren't going to see a Bijan Robinson, a Jameer Gibbs, or even a Zach Charbonnet, for that matter. But outside of that, I think Brooks stands above the rest of the players. Yeah, there's a lot to like with Brooks. Uh, the biggest thing when you turn on the tape for me is that he's he's slow to the hole, which is always good with a running back when you can have a change of pace. And then he just he explodes. Uh, it feels like once he 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 finds the hole he's running through, he's he's gone. And like you said, he's not necessarily the easiest to bring down. It's not like you hit him once, he's going to hit the turf. Uh, he knows how to kind of break through some of those arm tackles. The biggest concern for me is coming off an ACL injury. Mm-hmm. He's going to miss a lot of the offseason stuff. Uh, he's probably going to miss some of the regular season. And with that and kind of rookie contract surplus, uh, because most of these guys are probably going to be day two dudes. And so the contract isn't going to be terrible, but it's one of those things that you're missing that whole first year almost from them. And it feels like you really don't get Jonathan Brooks until year two. So it feels like an established running back room almost needs to bring him in, allow him to get up to speed and then allow him to take the reins. So do you, do you have any good potential landing spots for Brooks or is this more just the guy that you think is the best of his class and really should be the first off the board? Uh, yeah, I, I, that's kind of my thoughts. He should be, uh, the first or second. We'll get to the other guy in a second, but, uh, as far as running back, uh, fits go, I think he could fit anywhere. So I'm trying to look at like a running back needy team. Um, and this is also, we'll talk about the free agency class later, cause this is a deeper running back free agency class, but like a team like maybe New Orleans, right? Who Camara's okay. getting up there in age. He wasn't himself last year. Uh, if you're a fantasy player, he got you like two good weeks. But outside of that, just getting older, not holding up as well. They did bring, they did draft uh, Kendra Miller last year, but he didn't do much. Jamal Williams was hurt for most of the year, so he didn't do much for them. Uh, Philly, um, and I know Philly isn't a big like running back drafting team, but they brought in Rashad Penny, who didn't like do anything. And DeAndre Swift is a free agent this year. So that could be a, a team to look at. And then Tampa Bay also, I think, uh, 
regardless of the position they draft a running back. I think they need one because Rashad White, while he is uh, a good pass catcher, I'm not too big on Rashad White, and I do think they need just a a change of pace back or an overall good running back. So I think that'd be a good spot as well. Yeah, no, I think those are good landing spots for him. I think having kind of that thunder-lightning pair uh, with him and Rashad White in Tampa Bay landing in Philly would be obviously a great spot behind that offensive line. And Kellen Moore is known to kind of run the ball or at least run it well in a couple of stops he's had prior. So that that would be an interesting pairing. My my player comp, I think the, the highest ceiling threshold for him, and it goes back to what I was saying, where he's slow to the hole, he's fast through it, uh, is like a Le'Veon Bell kind of guy. I think that's a little rich. I think, honestly, like when you turn on the tape, you watch how he runs – and it may be his number a little bit that that makes the the comparison here a little bit easier. But Devontae Freeman, a longtime running back with the Falcons, is is a guy I see when I watch Jonathan Brooks. So moving on to number two on your list, we have Dylan Johnson. He finished uh, runner up in the um, the national championship against Michigan, um, and we have a guy from Michigan at number three. But number two, we have Dylan Johnson from the Washington Huskies. What do you like about his game? Uh, he's he's very shifty when I, when I watch him. But what are some of the key things that you take away from him when you watch Dylan Johnson? Yeah, shifty is a, a great way to describe him. And while I did have Jonathan Brooks at number one, it was kind of close coming down to like making the the little excuse me, the list, but he's another all around super good guy. But I think what's uh, different about him and Jonathan Brooks is Johnson has that elusiveness and speed. Like yep. once he sees an opening, he's gone. And uh, like, I, I just think he fits super well in the offense that Washington ran. Uh, he's a good pass catcher as well. Uh, good vision and a good and willing blocker in the run game as well. So even if he's not getting the ball on checkdowns or anything, you can leave him in on third down because he's going to pick up the fifth or sixth uh, rusher because he knows where to be and how to position himself against bigger defenders. Uh, good contact balance again, good hands in the uh, pass catching game. And just, I'll say it again, the elusiveness and his speed set him apart. And I think he kind of falls under the radar because when you look at the Washington Huskies and watch their film, a lot of the times you're looking at a top quarterback potentially in Penix Jr. Or you're looking at Odunze, uh, Jalen Polk, and Jalen McMillan, who are three top 100 players at receiver. So Dylan Johnson might be falling under the radar, but if you actually just watch the game and don't watch the players, you'll see he gets a lot of run, and he's really good at it. And uh, I, I think the main drawback is similar to Jonathan Brooks is that he's not your all right, it's third and two, third and one, line it up, hand it to him, he's going to get it. That's not a guarantee. He's not going to move the pile, so to speak, but uh, he is a fall forward runner and a good all-around runner. And all those teams that I mentioned before, I think would be good fits. And I'd also like to throw out the Las Vegas Raiders as being a good spot for him as well. I think he would compliment uh, Zamir White that they have there. Um, I'm not sold on Zamir White as an NFL running back, so he could also upgrade there, but we'll see. Yeah, no, I, I love his change of direction. There's a lot to love about the tape he puts puts out there, especially in this kind of uh, championship run that the Washington Huskies had. And I, I think it'll be interesting to see where he goes. I think he is flying a little bit under the radar compared to some of the other teammates he played with. We could, we could see uh, two of the wide receivers in Penix go before Dylan Johnson even comes off the board. And then he's a guy that people are talking about, like, who did he play for? Where did he come from? Et cetera, et cetera. So with that being said, I think these two are a cut above, personally. Um, the I rest, agree. rest of kind of the, uh, the field and the guy at number three, I kind of alluded to this, teased it a little bit earlier. It's a guy who played at Michigan, and that's Blake Corum. Dude, dude's feisty. Um, he's, he's a small running back. I makes me worried in terms of pass protection abilities, and he doesn't catch a lot of passes out of the backfield. So that's also worrisome. I understand that Michigan's offense wasn't very pass heavy to begin with, but I think he had 26 receptions through 29 games or his last 29 games with Michigan. And that's just, that's not going to cut it at the NFL level. If you want to kind of be the starting running back. So what do you like about Corum? 
Uh, what can he improve upon? And then what are a couple good landing spots for him? Uh, well, the number one thing with Corum, and this, I think he's above everybody else in this class in this regard, is his vision. He has some of the best vision I've ever seen. If there's like a half yard hole, he's going to find it, make the cut and go. Uh, and this adds up to like looking at his college numbers. He led college football in rushing touchdowns. And last year he was on pace to do so as well before he got injured. So he knows how to take the ball to the end zone. He knows how to score and he sees the path, which is something that a lot of uh, younger running backs struggle with. Uh, he's also, while he doesn't, catch the ball a ton i think he's adequate enough at it and i would say that uh based on the michigan offense that isn't something that was featured between him or uh donovan edwards who also would have been a good running back in this class but he went back to michigan for another year um he i think he's a good and willing blocker even despite his size kind of alluding to the kyron williams tape kind of like that and i think he's just solid all around like his burst isn't top end but it's sufficient his uh Contact balance isn't top end, but it's sufficient for his size, stuff like that. His long speed isn't uh, actually his pretty decent long speed, uh, given his uh, longer runs and stuff like that. But he just he doesn't have the top end speed, strength or anything else that you kind of look for in NFL prospects. Um, but I think he makes up for it with his intelligence and ability to mitigate contact. And um, any like when you look at running back landing spots, my personal philosophy for like later running backs and from here on out i have them all as day three or like quorum's probably top of day three i i think every team should draft a running back every year around this point so i think he would fit in pretty well with almost every team what i will say is that i think a team that already has like a bruiser back he would fit in well with as a uh a change of pace like hit the open field kind of guy so uh i don't know a team what would be maybe actually i think denver uh he and javante okay. williams would be a good pairing and javante williams isn't like a bruiser by any means but i think that would be a good pairing there but um yeah he you're right he he doesn't have the top end size and strength and that's what's going to hold him back compared to guys like uh trey benson after him dylan johnson ahead of him stuff like that but he has the ability to get into open space and convert it into touchdowns what's what's interesting because we keep bringing up uh, quorum size is that out of 263 running backs last year who had 60 carries six or more carries he ranked 241st in yards after contact per carry this is a guy that's not breaking a lot of tackles like you mm -hmm. said he's relying a lot more on his intelligence and just ability to hit the gap and that's the one cool thing about him he's one of the best gap runners that we have in this draft class and i kind of alluded to this when we were talking about our coaching staff but the five teams that ran the most gap kind of style runs last year were the baltimore ravens buffalo bills cleveland browns los angeles rams and the tampa bay bucks so what would be interesting is to see him maybe go to baltimore on kind of that day three situation they spend a fourth round pick they bring quorum in you already have gus edwards like you're you're kind of chilling you would have to re-sign gus edwards obviously but it's one of those situations where they've rebuilt that offense and now you can just add some more pieces where the the whole load isn't on them i think cleveland with nick chubb's injury if they are are really yeah, thinking that they're one. going to be a, a gap running team i think you take him because exactly like you said the vision his ability to hit the hole it's it's very special there's just a lot of concerns about the rest of his game and i think they're fair and they're valid and it's not something that we have with dylan johnson like you said before or the guy after coming out of fsu and that's trey benson and that's who you have at number four here a lot of analysts uh have him in their top three so the fact he's outside of your top three is very interesting what do you think holds his game back and what do you think he can do to improve that well like i said uh three through five is kind of splitting hairs and uh i value hitting the hole and like getting into open space a lot with running backs um, and that's why I have quorum so high, but Trey Benson's another really good all around player. Uh, another mercenary from FSU, uh, transferred from Oregon, uh, this past season, pretty much all of FSU's draftable players are transfers. They don't, 
that's uh, it's an, a funny note about FSU. They can't recruit and develop their own players, <laughs> but they'll develop your castaways. And they did a good job with it. They had an undefeated regular season this year. Missed out on the playoffs, obviously, but they had a good season. And Benson was a big part of that. Um, he's a good pass catching threat. I think he's a strong. He's the first of the ones that we've talked about who can be a strong downhill runner that can move the pile. I think he has good burst and speed. And I think he's not a great pass blocker, but he is willing. And that's something that you want to see. Good contact balance. Like, it's going to take more than one guy to bring him down. And I say all this to say he has super good traits. But the big thing for me is that he's not a big cutter. Like, he's not a big change of direction guy. It's mainly yeah. straight line and veers off of that. He Not really change of pace. Like, once he finds his line, he's going there. And as a DB or as a, a defensive coach, when you – recognize that you can say all right when this guy gets into open space just go straight at him and bring him down right you don't have to worry about cuts you don't have to worry about him making more than one person miss stuff like that that's the thing to me that holds him back as opposed to the three guys ahead of him but other than that i think he's pretty well rounded i think he could be a rotation player like instantly in the nfl and uh i think he would fit well with a team that lacks that guy that can move the pile like, uh, honestly, like Carolina, um, I'm a Chuba and I have squashed our beef, uh, this <laughs> past year, uh, because I picked him up in fantasy and he did well for me, but he's not a, uh, a pile mover. I would say, I think Chuba is that, uh, not like, uh, can't cut, but I think he can cut and go whereas opposed to Benson kind of just goes right. And I think that'd be a good pairing, like maybe in the fourth or fifth round, I don't know whose picks we own in those rounds, but I think that'd be a good spot for Trey Benson. Yeah, no, this is a guy, and like you said, doesn't have a lot of change of direction, like a guy like Dylan Johnson that you have at number two, but he's forced a lot of missed tackles. And part of the reason why is he's 215 pounds and he moves like a freight train. Mm -hmm. This is this is a guy that this past year tied for the most runs above 21 miles per hour for running backs at the college level. And that's impressive. Like this is a guy that can move his weight, that can get out in space. And like you said, it is very straight line running, but he he punishes people for it. And that's something that I think he'll do at the next level. And I think that kind of pairing of size and speed is going to work really, really well, as long as it's paired with kind of that lightning adaptation. I know you said Chuba Hubbard, but Rashad White, same thing in Tampa mm -hmm. Bay. You bring a a big bodied running back that can get you those couple yards that'll break off a couple uh, every now and again. And that's that's what you're looking for. So uh, with that being said, we're moving into our running back number five, and that's a guy out of Oregon. Uh, his actual name is Marquise, but he goes by Bucky Irving. He's he's an interesting dude. Uh, I think he's he's very twitchy. And I think that that bites him in the butt occasionally. But overall, I think this is a great prospect. I think uh, some of the comparisons of him being like a Jarek McKinnon, if the Kansas City Chiefs were looking to add a running back to their room and kind of the later rounds, that being a good player comp, I think is very fair. What do you like most about his game? Yeah, uh, Jarek McKinnon, J.D. McKissick, those kind of players. Uh, I I'm a big like pass catching running back guy. And that's one of the strengths of his game. Like he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. We talked last week about how Oregon's offense was based in short field and play action, basically exclusively. And a big part of the short field was when something wasn't open on the play action. All right, Bo Nix, dump off to Irving, Irving, go. And that's something he was good at. He is twitchy and pretty shifty, kind of like uh, Dylan Johnson is. Like He can avoid the contact, get open. Good and willing blocker. Uh, I wrote even downfield, noting the Oregon State game, where he will block uh, downfield for receivers or for his QB. Like He'll get downfield and block, which is something you always want to see. It's like Coaches love that kind of stuff, like being a team player, blocking downfield. That was an, a big reason why DJ Moore was so beloved here. Uh, with the Panthers, because he would block for other people downfield, like 50 yards downfield. But uh, falls forward runner, despite uh, being smaller, he has good contact balance, so he can get those extra one or two yards. Uh, but he is on the smaller side, which is uh, to his detriment. And a lot of these smaller running backs uh, are associated with being super fast and super, like have good top ends, top, top end long speed. It's a I'm getting ahead of myself there, but he doesn't possess these uh, the top end speed that these smaller backs have, and that's the concern there. 
But other than that, like I think he uh, fits pretty good as a pass catching back who will take on contact when he needs to. And that's that's what you want to see. Being a team player is what's going to get you drafted to a good team on a, like a day three pick or even a team that's trying to rebuild their culture. Having those guys in the locker room, that's what's going to keep you around in the NFL. And I think that's that's nothing to be taken away from his game. Um, but I don't think he's better than the four guys we listed ahead of him. Uh, I do think there's some arguments for some of the guys that we'll talk about as just later potential bets that could work out well. Another guy that's kind of undersized, I would say he would be a Christian McCaffrey light. And when I say light, it'd be like a light, light version, like the Walmart off-brand edition you get of uh, some Lego toy. And this is what you get with Will Shipley out of Clemson. I think he's a solid pass catching back. He He's in and out of in terms of his breaks and cuts very cleanly. It's not as fluid as McCaffrey, um, but this is an interesting guy, I think, on day three that could kind of be that Chuba Hubbard for a team and be nice to stash away kind of on a rookie contract. Yeah, uh, the thing with Shipley, and this is why I have him ranked uh, so high, he had a pretty poor year this year. His uh, freshman and sophomore years were a lot better. But uh, you bring up McCaffrey, he has that McCaffrey ability as a pass catcher. And I'm not saying he is the next McCaffrey in that regard, but he can run actual routes out of the backfield with the ball in his hands. He is deadly in space. And I, as far as this running back class goes, I think he's the best as a pass catcher uh, just straight up. But he has fallen short in a lot of other categories this year, like in pass protection, he's not very good. Uh, doesn't have the uh, like NFL strength, not a pile pusher, like not a false forward runner, that kind of stuff. But uh, is elusive in the open field, and I think that's worth taking a chance on. Um, kind of the opposite of uh, Shipley's skill set is a guy from Wisconsin and Braylon Allen. And if you're looking for the next A.J. Dillon, this is him. Like he's a bowling ball. He'll run through you. Uh, he's another Wisconsin Big 12 running back who puts up huge numbers. Uh, this is just a guy that's going to mow people down. I think that's his biggest attribute. Um, he's not huge in the pass game, but if you need the like a pure thumper out of this class, it's going to be Braylon Allen. Yeah, I think your comp uh, when we talked a couple weeks back of like a Melvin Gordon type player who came out of Wisconsin – uh, I, I liked it. He's he's a guy that's is going to enforce punishment on the defender. And with defenses going to lighter boxes and playing more nickel, he's a guy that's going to make a couple of these corners and safeties pay a little bit more each and every down. So another guy that's kind of in the same ballpark, a guy I'm extremely high on and would love to pair with Chuba as kind of like the thunder in the Carolina Panthers offense. And that's a guy out of Notre Dame, Audric Esteem. Uh total bruiser i mean this guy is a guy that that could inflict pain he's not i would say well versed in terms of his overall game like you look at a guy like jonathan brooks dylan johnson these are guys that it, it feels like all of their game is pretty well rounded for him it's just he's a downfield runner uh he's got a couple passes out of the backfield but he's not exciting with it he's not the best cutter but it's one of those guys that if you need somebody to pick up two or three yards he's going to get those two or three yards and he's, he's a big boy. Uh, so I, I don't know what your thoughts are on him. I know he's a little bit lower in your rankings for me. I think he's an ideal fit here in Carolina. No. Yeah. I like, uh, I believe it's estimate is how you pronounce his name. Uh, if you look at the end of the Duke game against Notre Dame and see how he ended the game uh, on a touchdown, it was like fourth down with 20 seconds left. He runs like a 21 yard touchdown uh, and ices the game for him. And it, it's not, or it's hard to not get excited about him. And like you said, he is not a big cutter or a shifty runner. He's not a pass catching threat. He doesn't have any immediate burst, but he's like a boulder rolling down a hill. If he starts running, he builds up his speed mm -hmm. and is big and strong enough to just run through these, uh, these college level uh, corners and safeties who are on the smaller side. Uh, he can just run through you. And that's a big attribute that uh, a lot of teams like to have. Another guy uh, that I that I like is Ray Davis out of Kentucky. Um, if you just look, if you watch the Florida game, it's easy to get excited about him. He had over 200 yards that game. I think he had four touchdowns that game. Uh, three touchdowns, excuse me, and 280 yards. No, 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 I was right. He had 280 <laughs> total yards, uh, three touchdowns rushing and one receiving. Um, so he had an excellent game that day. 
Uh, if, if you look at his other games like Missouri, Georgia, you'll see he has pretty good speed, good vision, hard to bring down uh, with just one person. And he's a pass catching threat as well. So kind of all around, but he's uh he's a bad pass blocker and not a pile pusher. So it's hard to get super, super excited about guys who aren't great at the dirty work at that level, but he has the burst necessary and the explosiveness necessary to make plays on an NFL team early, uh, not to the same vein as uh Devon a chain or Keaton Mitchell, but he can break one or two runs a game. Yeah, no, I mean, this is a guy that amassed over 1100 yards last year, had 14 touchdowns uh, contributed in the past game. There's obviously holes in his game. Uh, reason why he didn't crack the top five, but this is a guy that like, if you're, you're taking a flyer on on day three, around four, round five pick, uh, maybe even around six, he falls to. I think that's a guy that you're you're going to get some value on, and a guy I want to bring up, and it's it's simply because this got kind of pulled up on my radar by Brett Coleman, and I I'm not necessarily saying I agree with all of his evaluations, but he puts good content out there. He does good breakdowns, and a guy that he was kind of impressed by at the Shrine Bowl was Isaac Gurendo. I uh, don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but he transferred to Louisville this past year. He's great on kind of inside and outside zone running schemes. And I'm not necessarily saying he's going to be this just great superstar running back, but he's not amassed a lot of touches at the college level. So he's he's got uh, very little workload put on him as a running back. So he should be very fresh going to the next level. And I think if we saw him in a Shanahan offense, whether it be San Francisco, whether it be the Miami Dolphins, I think he'll he'll explode and he'll have a lot of success. And it'll be kind of like Elijah Mitchell a couple of years back. It's like, who is this guy? Nobody heard of him kind of situation until he gets drafted and he starts playing a few games. So that's kind of how I see him playing out. I know you haven't watched a lot of film on him. Do you have any takes? I know you're a little bit higher on the uh, number one running back at Louisville this past year. Uh, over him but uh any thoughts yeah no i i haven't seen much on uh i think it's garendo um i need to go back and watch both he and jawar jordan the other louisville running back but uh I, I haven't seen enough so i have no thoughts on him but if people in the media are getting hype about him this might be kind of a uh like an isaiah pacheco kind of rise during draft season where this was a guy that uh to like normal people like us wasn't on anybody's radar but then following, uh, I, think, I think it was pro days, like around that time, he started to rise up and be popular among teams. And wouldn't you know it, the Chiefs end up getting him and he ends up being their starting running back. So this could be a guy like that, that is a late riser, um, like wasn't the the best or most uh, or had the most numbers in college, but is a guy that can be valuable at the NFL level. Yeah, no, I think that's. Uh, completely fair. Now that kind of wraps up kind of our draft prospects. There's a couple key free agents are big. I, I would say big name free agents at this point. There's mm -hmm. a lot of these guys on the, the back nine of their careers and kicking this off. Uh, Derek Henry is a free agent. So do you think Tennessee, the Tennessee Titans sign him to like a one year deal? Or do you think he ends up going to a contender and he starts playing for a ring. Like, does he sign a one-year deal with Buffalo? Like, what what is your kind of thought process with a guy like Henry? Well, with this entire uh, running back free agency, it kind of, uh, and alongside with this running back draft, it kind of juxtaposes last week when we talked about QBs where, all right, we have QBs that are have high potential. You could draft them all round one or two, but the free agency class is bad. This is kind of the opposite, right? We have uh, running backs who you could sprinkle in a couple. You could convince me that a couple of the guys we talked about will go day two, like Brooks or Johnson or Corum or Benson. But outside of that, there are, there's not going to be any first rounders, I don't think, and mm -hmm. maybe not even uh, a lot of day two guys. But the free agency class, if you need an immediate starter, this is the class that you're going to need. This is probably the best free agency running back class that we've ever seen in our lives. Um they're letting a lot of big names go and a lot of useful players too, like Derrick Henry, like you talked about. I think he's done in Tennessee. They kind of had a uh, like a farewell uh, during their last home game. Like they had a, a moment at midfield, I believe, after the game with Derrick Henry. So I don't see him going back there. They don't bring back Vrabel, so it's a whole new regime there. Um, I would like him on the Bills or on a contender, maybe like on the Cowboys for a year or something like that. Just, to, uh, so, just so he can, you know, compete 
because he did do that for a couple years in Tennessee, but they've fallen by the wayside and they're rebuilding a bit. So that would be cool. But then there are other uh, like big name starters that are going to hit the market because I doubt Saquon Barkley is going to get tagged again. Or no, he uh, he got a deal off the tag, so maybe he gets tagged again, but I doubt it. Josh Jacobs is available. Uh, Tony Pollard. Um, Austin Eckler is a big name. He wasn't that good uh, this year, but he's another big name. And then, like, Ezekiel Elliott, another big name. There are a ton of big name running backs that I think can still contribute at maybe a medium level. And then there's other guys like Devin Singletary, who was good this year for the Texans. Uh, Gus Edwards for the Ravens. You're big on Deontay Foreman. Uh, former Panther on the Bears this year. And then you have uh, Cordero Patterson, who's getting older. DeAndre Swift is a free agent who just contributed a ton for the Eagles. J.K. Dobbins and A.J. Dillon. And then there, there's, I mean, there's a ton of free agents after that. But these are all like relatively well-known players that could have big roles on other teams next year. Where we've seen them have big roles the past couple years on their previous teams. Yeah, no, it's 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 all just uh, familiarity with names. Uh, Derek Henry, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, Austin Eckler, and these guys like they, they have a couple plays in them, but these aren't guys that are bell cows or that can be in on. I would argue eighty ninety percent of a off uh, like a team's offensive snaps. And so I think you get a lot more value from some of the guys that are probably lesser known on these lists. So um, a guy like Deontay Foreman, a guy like Gus Edwards, uh, even DeAndre Swift, he had a solid year in Philadelphia last year and he was good in Detroit. So it's one of those things that I would take somebody on the younger spectrum, somebody that doesn't have any health concerns, um, but it'll be interesting. I. I don't know if there's anybody you want to kind of highlight. I think if we're talking about like the top three, I know I listed a lot of the big names. My my big three in terms of free agents are Josh Jacobs, Tony Pollard, and Saquon. And after that, it just seems like it's guys that are replacement level, a guy that you just want to have to bolster your running back room. I, I don't see a lot of these guys as being um, true bell cows that can just take 20, 30 carries, uh, be effective in the pass game, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, no, I, I think the way the NFL is moving is that you're going to have running back by committee uh, be a thing. And so I don't think any of these guys, like you said, are going to be the 25 to 30 uh, rush attempts per game. But I think guys like Saquon and Tony Pollard and Jacobs could contribute at a high level relative to being on a second contract. Um, it, just, just think like Josh Jacobs going to like the Chiefs or something where he's not the number one guy, but he's behind. Uh, Pacheco, or he could go to like uh, Seattle, where he can split carries Ooh. with uh, Kenneth Walker and Charbonnet, something like that. Or Saquon could go to, uh, he could be one of the Bills guys. I, I think uh, the Bills are going to be a popular running back spot like they have been the past couple years. Uh, like I, they, they like James Cook, but Joe Brady also doesn't like him. Like he doesn't give him the ball, I think. When he <laughs> well, he dropped a lot of passes this past year, but yeah, that's true. But like imagine having Derrick Henry. Uh, be the thumper, which also takes tread off of Josh Allen's tires, which is always a good thing. You don't need him taking too many hits. Um, just imagine him and James Cook there or like uh, Saquon and James Cook there. That'd be a good spot for them to go. So I, I think there are a lot of uh, in intriguing options in running back free agency this year, but I'm big on Gus Edwards uh, as well, or Devin Singletary guys that uh, aren't necessarily going to be the big spended or like you're not going to spend a ton of money on these running backs but they're going to contribute pretty well like Gus Edwards played a major role in the Ravens run game this year Singletary was excellent for the Texans this year he uh, supplanted Damian Pierce like halfway through the season so a lot of useful free agency running back guys that uh, if you're not sold on this draft class because all these teams already have their grades in um, maybe take a chance on one of their free agency guys and sign them to a one or two year as opposed to drafting a guy uh with a third or fourth round pick. Yeah, no, I think uh, those are a lot of good points. And with that being said, as we're wrapping up, we are a Panthers kind of more focused podcast. Our running back situation is fairly interesting. We extended Miles Sanders or signed him to a four-year contract last offseason. Uh, ranks currently 10th in the NFL. So we paid him a lot of money to play running back for us. Can't really be cut this offseason unless we want to pretty much take on like $8 million in dead cap. So we, we let them play out this year. We can cut them next year for about $1.5 million in dead cap. 
would open up $7 million in space next year, which would definitely help if we're trying to sign somebody or stay underneath the cap. And then Chuba is entering the final year of his rookie contract at age 25. I don't know if I want to go out in free agency and unless it's like we signed Deontay Foreman to a one-year contract that's relatively cheap like we did a couple years back. I don't know if I see anybody in the free agency market that I'm like, ooh, we need to have them. Is there somebody with our fourth or fifth round picks that you would be interested in taking? So we, we pick out 102, 141, and 165. And I know we talked about some of these running backs mainly being day two, day three guys, but is there a guy that you think adding to this room that would benefit us moving forward at the running back position? Well, yeah, like I've said, I think you should take a running back like rounds four, five, six, one of those rounds every year just to uh, have your running back room fully stocked. And you can get good rotational running backs at those positions. A guy like Estimate, like you talked about, I think would fit well with uh, with what Chuba can do. I think they are going to use Miles Sanders a bit better this year, uh, given how, uh, what's his name, Frank Reich just kind of scrapped everything good that the Panthers did two years ago in lieu of his own schemes. I think uh, Ken Ellis realizes what works and I think they are going to utilize him better, but I do think that, yeah, like estimate Ray Davis uh, from Kentucky could be a guy that we look at. And then if, uh, if you're really sold on Shipley uh, and your ability to mold him to be a better runner, I think he's worth uh, a look as well, because like I said, his pass catching ability is special. Yeah, no, I think uh, going on to your last point about Shipley, um, I Chuba's on the last year of his deal. I don't know if I really want to extend him past this year. And if you can kind of stash him this year, maybe we get him in the fifth or sixth round. Like maybe we get him at pick 165, our second, fifth round pick. Like, I think that'd be perfect. I think that's a guy that you can stash, you can develop and might actually pay dividends moving forward and would allow us to kind of move forward from Chuba. And if another team signed Chuba to a bigger deal, we get a comp pick from that. And maybe we use that on another running back a couple years later. So that would be an interesting route to take. Um, I know that we're kind of at this like limbo period in the NFL offseason where everything's just speculation, but it will be very interesting to see where some of these bigger names fall. Uh, who gets drafted into where and see just how running back rooms shape up across the NFL. So with that being said, we're in perfect takes. Um, you have an interesting one. I I think the first part of it is, I, I think a given, I think most people don't think running backs are, are really high this year. You, like you alluded to earlier, there's no Bijan Robinson, um, there's, there's no true running back that just screams, this is a guy that we need on our roster. So with that, uh, what's your perfect take? So no first round running backs this year. And I think that's pretty fair. Um, like you said, no Bijan, no, um, I'm blanking Jameer Gibbs this year. Uh, so I think that's very fair. I think most draft fans can agree with that. But I also think there's not going to be any second round running backs either. Uh, I'm looking at the second round last year. I know we had Zach Charbonnet go in the second round. Um, I'm trying to see. I believe he was the only second round running back. I just want to make sure. Um, yeah, only second round running back. And I, to be quite frank, I don't think any of the guys this year were as good as he was at UCLA last year. And he went pick 52. And like I said, this is a big free agency running back class. So if these teams feel the need that they, all right, we need an upgraded running back, why wouldn't you just go to free agency instead of wasting wasting one of your uh, like high draft picks on a position that has low like return value um, for that pick? So that's my take. No first round or second round running backs in this class. Okay, very interesting. Uh, to wrap up my perfect take, I think none of the big free agent running backs. So if like Derrick Henry leaves in free agency, he doesn't just re-sign with Tennessee. That's the stipulation. Uh, free agent running back changes his zip code. I don't think they gain a thousand yards on their new team. And that's intriguing because Derrick Henry, DeAndre Swift, and Tony Pollard, three guys that are free agents, both went over a thousand last year. I think just at this point, there's too much tread. There's either injury histories to be concerned about, or these, these aren't true bell cows, <clears throat> Tony Pollard. Um, so that being said, I think 
None of them amass a thousand yards rushing, not total a thousand yards rushing. Uh, and that's, that's my perfect take. So with that, are, are we wrapped up to any, any closing remarks about kind of the draft um, process or free agency? Yeah. Uh, I'm waiting on Derrick Henry to get to nine, 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 and then uh, sit the rest of the game. Uh, there we go. There we go. Yeah. He'll, he'll have me uh, sweating bullets by the end of the year. Um, but with that being said, if you guys have any questions, uh, draft related specifically, shoot them to us at perfect underscore takes next week. We'll be breaking down wide receivers and it will be with a guest that's been on the show before. So it should be a lot of fun next week. Uh, a lot to get into uh, a lot of content from not only the draft prospects, but free agents potentially available. Uh, and we'll get more into that next week. So we'll catch you guys then.